Red Sox extend their winning streak but lose in the final game of the series against the Phillies. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to welcome you back into the Locked On Red Sox podcast, and thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Jake Mizuski, and here, as always, with my co-host, Nessens Lauren Willand. And I hope that throughout this weekend, you enjoyed the nice sun. Luckily and hopefully, we have the rain in the rearview mirror after a week long of pouring rain. It was definitely tough to have a smile on your face, but been nice to have a smile on your face if you're watching the Red Sox over the last few days or so. They had a seven-game winning streak going into Sunday's game, snapped that after Sunday's loss to the Phillies, but still ended up winning the series two to three against Philadelphia and have won six of their last seven series. Can't complain. No, we're seeing a lot of good baseball right now, and we saw a lot of good baseball in those first two games of the series with the Phillies on Sunday, it kind of came to a halt. You know, you only had Costas with the Homer and then the pitching kind of struggled there. So, I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to sweep every single series. It was fun while it lasted, but they're winning series, which is something that they could not do last year. And yes, it's May. It's still early in the season, but there's still a lot to, a lot of good to take away from these games and these last, this last series in particular. And Sunday was the first day, too, where the offense kind of took a hold. I mean, yeah. even, you know, MLB Network, when, when they were covering uh, the Phillies and Red Sox game, I, I saw a video of J.P. Morosi, you know, speaking flying colors of this Red Sox offense. And it really seemed like, especially early on in this series, uh, a different guy was doing it every single game. You know, somebody was coming up clutch that you didn't really expect. And then, you know, in Sunday's game, only were able to muster one run. And that was a Tristan Cass's home run. And it's nice to see the rookie finally starting to get the gears flowing, has reached base safely in each of his last 18 games. And obviously has still struggled a little bit with the strikeout stuff. But when you see him, you know, showcase that power and continue to find ways to get on base, whether it's through the walk or just getting nice base hits, you got to be happy that you're at least seeing some positive progression throughout the last few weeks. Yeah, and this is the thing with someone like him. It's his first Major League Baseball season. He would have made his debut sooner last year had he not gotten injured, and that you know, the high ankle sprain really kind of hindered his development for a little while there. And now it's his, you know, his first. He got a whole off season and a whole spring training with the Red Sox. He had now he's coming into these games. He's getting into a groove. He's finding his kind of pace at the plate, and he's a very, you know, he's a he's a man of routine. We saw him what was it in the blue Jays series? I think it was when he stood in the, the batter's box and while the, the injury was going on. So, so we could get more time and like visualize things. Like he's a very visual person, kind of like JD Martinez. JD Martinez was a very visual person. He called himself a trained hitter, constantly looking at his batting practices and everything. So it's, you know, when you're able to see the field a bit more, especially with that pitch clock now, and that's what Casas had said that with the pitch clock, you can't visualize a lot of what, he would be able to have there not be, if there was no pitch clock. So I do really like what I've seen from him. And I, I like the patience. We've seen that patience. We see the on-base percentage. It's obviously working. That patience is working because he's getting on base. But now to see him 
know, hit the ball, get the ball in play. He's had some really nice drives too. I mean, a few days ago at Fenway, just a little bit windier, he would have had a grand slam. So he's, he's really starting to see the ball a lot better than he was a month ago. And I think that it's only going to keep getting better. And little by little, that batting average will get a little bit higher. Another guy that has already a high batting average is, is continuously getting on base and extended his hitting streak to 16 games after Sunday's game. It's Masataki Yoshida. And it was really cool outside of the baseball games to see Yoshida sort of fanboy a little bit with Bryce Harper. I, like I, I've, I even mentioned this, I don't think on the podcast, but, but Harper's my favorite MLB player. I grew up, you know, watching him, you know, the 16 year old phenom on sports illustrated. I mean, I think any kid that grew up playing baseball, you know, in, in the early two thousands, like emulate or emulated their game off of Bryce Harper and looked up to him. And, you know, for Yoshida ended up you know naming his dog after Harper. And it was cool to see, uh, you know, Harper gift him two autograph bats, one that was used in the NLCS last year, and also some cleats. And you could just see Yoshida get a little bit giddy. I think he even called him his little treasures, which I thought was cool. Stuff like that is so wholesome <laughs> because these these players too, they're they're fans of other players, and they're you know Yoshida for somebody to to be able to come over to MLB after playing in Japan for so long and getting able to meet his idol and his the person that he absolutely loves watching was really, really cool. And I think Harper, I mean, obviously he gave him the bats and the cleats. And I think that Harper doesn't, you know, he doesn't take that for granted, no matter who it is, because Yoshida's a star in Japan. And now he's, you know, now they're, now they're buds, now they've met. And it's, you know, Yoshida can kind of check that off of his bucket list, which I think is very cool. When you see interactions like that, it's just very wholesome. And it's like, stuff like that is bigger than baseball and just makes, makes me happy. Cause like you get to see to a side of these players, like you said, he was giddy and almost like a, like, like a little kid, like a little kid yeah. meeting their idol. And it was, it's just so wholesome. I love it. I need more of those moments. Yeah, me too. And you know, it, it was cool, you know, even as a Red Sox fan, it was cool to see Bryce, ha Bryce Harper back on the field, uh, you know, only spent a tiny bit of time uh, on the IL uh, after he got Tommy John surgery. I, I don't have the exact figure in front of me, but I think it was around 160 days. I think it was uh, 159. 159. Oh, it was close. Uh, but Chris Sale even said, he's like, you know, he's making us look bad. Like, I got to learn how he figured out to get on, back on the field so quickly. Obviously, a pitcher who uses his arm uh, to for essentially his job on a baseball field right. compared to Harper, who's, you know, able to play DH or play first base while, while it still recovers and everything like that. But, you know, that definitely put on a little bit of a layer of competition to this series. You know, as we already mentioned, luckily the Sox were able to take two of those games. Uh, but outside of, you know, the loss on Sunday, Tanner Houck ended up was on the mound in that loss, but he looked relatively good. You know, still allowed three earned runs, five hits, five and two, two thirds innings, uh, and then struck out four, uh, but luckily you didn't see him really struggle too, too much. Like we have usually, um, you know, in those later innings did allow two earned runs in the fourth. Um, but I, I am still curious to see sort of how this rotation is really stacked up. Once we see Paxton be activated in the next few days, which we're going to talk a little bit more into that later on, but here's your thoughts on that. Yeah. I think, I think Tanner Houck, it wasn't his best performance. We've seen him at his worst. I mean, we've seen worse than what we saw Sunday. Absolutely. But I still think he got into some trouble. You know, he loaded the bases. And while it didn't, you know, it didn't hurt him tremendously or it could, it could have been much worse, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But I still think that 
This is somebody who maybe should go into the bullpen once this rotation is uh, quote unquote fully healthy or you have all your starters in the, in the fold here. And yes, I know that they wanted Hauk as a starter, but I think that he would serve you better in the bullpen. And I, I still think that way about Whitlock, but that's, you know, I, like I said, I, I don't want them going from starter to bullpen, bullpen to starter. I, I want them to have their defined roles, but I think after Sunday, I, I like that Hauk has really, you know, done everything that he can to be a serviceable starter. I just think he's more valuable in the bullpen. And I think that the Red Sox should really, once Paxton gets activated, and not, and not saying that Paxton is going to come in and like be the savior of this rotation. I don't think the pitching is all that bad. It needs to be better, yes. But, and not to say Paxton could be much worse than Tanner Houck. So like, there's a lot of what-ifs here. But I think that if, when Paxton comes back, I do think Tanner Houck is the odd man out, so to say, to go into the bullpen. And I'd be okay with that because he can be really good in a shorter span, you know, innings one, two, three. And then all of a sudden we've talked about this, his last start, I believe that fourth and fifth inning where he started mm -hmm. to kind of not fall apart, but started to struggle batter started to figure him out. So maybe the bullpen will be better suited for him. I'm not Alex Cora. I'm not making these decisions, but if you want some advice, he should call me, you, someone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're here. We're here for advice. It's free. We're here. We'll, we'll, put, we'll put the number in the Monday description. Monday through Friday on YouTube, yeah. Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> LO underscore Red Sox. That's so funny. But I, the other thing that I think really hurt the Red Sox pitching too is Kyle Schwarber finally woke up. I, I think yeah. he was 0 for 20, uh, you know, going into Sunday's game and, you know, ended up going 2 for 3 uh, during that loss and, you know, hit, hit a home run off of Richard Blyer, which, you know, it's tough to see essentially since Blyer's on this team and essentially in the bullpen to be a lefty specialist, to get lefties out. And he wasn't able to do that against Schwarber. Uh, and then we also saw, you know, new, new Red Sox uh, reliever, Zach Littell, uh, get a little bit roughed up there in the eighth as well, allowed two earned runs, uh, walked two batters as well. And, you know, one thing that I, I was, my first reaction when I was watching the game is, why are you throwing a ball right down the middle to JT Real Muto with the bases loaded? And, you know, we're going to speak more about, you know, the the trade that the Red Sox made for Littell a little bit later in the episode. But, you know, just a little bit of a sneak peek. You know, he told the Rangers he, since he was in AAA, like, if you don't call me up, trade me. And now that he's in the majors, we're already starting to see him struggle a little bit and not being able to you know, shut down the door. And, you know, it, it was just very difficult for me to understand why you throwing that pitch right there with base load against the best offensive catcher in the league. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like I don't have much to add to that other than it was, you know, it's one outing. Yes. We would have liked to see something better, especially, you know, like, like trade me or uh, trade me or bring me up to the majors. Did he have an upward movement clause? Did he also have one of those? Or am I thinking of someone else? So I, 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 it's one start. So I'm not going to, or one outing, I'm not going to sit here and like overreact, but like, yeah, that's not a pitch you can throw to really anyone, but especially JT real Muto. You cannot throw that pitch to him. And then you're up here, you're in a situation where the game is still winnable for the Red Sox. And you're, it's just like, what, what are we doing? And I don't think he's the answer to, you know, be in this bullpen. He might be, he might be the reason Ryan Brazier gets saved another another round of DFAs or anything, something like that. But you just wish you saw more. And saw. I think that's really my biggest takeaway is I wish I saw more. But one start, I'm I'm going to sit here and I'm going to be rational. But that that won't be able to. I won't be able to say the same if that 
kind of trend continues because buddy, we went through this last year and we're not doing yeah. it again this year. Exactly. And, you know, we're going to speak more not only about, you know, the two other games uh, that the Red Sox played against the Phillies in this series, but also more about the Littell trade uh, in our second segment. But before we do that, I just want to talk to you about eBay Motors. And so for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And, you know, you spoke about it with Littell, you know, in our last segment. It's one outing. You know, can't overreact. And I think you could kind of say this a little bit um, about from what we saw from Chris Sale. You know, over these last few starts, it's tough to not overreact uh, in these different outings and, you know, read too much into things, especially from, you know, what we saw in the twin start. And then, you know, he blew up in his next start and it's kind of been back and forth. But, you know, just fast forwarding a little bit to game one, Sale struck out 10, went six innings, uh, even though, you know, he struggled a little bit later on in that outing and up, you know, ultimately allowing three earned runs. It was nice to see him having that strikeout stuff back. And it seems like his only struggles come against the Orioles. It's funny how much he struggles against the Orioles. And we kind of see that with like Raphael Devers and Garrett Cole, right? Like it's, it's just funny how pitchers struggle against specific teams. But the thing with Sale too is that he hasn't pitched consecutively and for three years. Mm -hmm. So he's got to really get back into that group. So the, Probably, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if through May we kind of see a little bit more up and down. But the the ten strikeout performance, the eleven strikeout performance last week or the week before, I think is you know that's kind of where he's going to be this year. And no, we're not going to get ten strikeouts every single outing, but he's getting better and he's just building that arm strength. And he's kind of at that age too, where you know you you have to kind of start making those adjustments. And he doesn't exactly know what those adjustments are because he hasn't pitched in those three years. He hasn't been able to make those kinds of adjustments at his age and that other pitchers are able to do when they come back from injury and um, just kind of have, or maybe even, even if they're not injured, they're able to just kind of, you know, go through their career and as they get older, make those specific adjustments. So now that he's kind of in that, and maybe he's really figuring out the mechanics, what he can and can't do, what needs to be done differently. That's what's going to make him dominant. And maybe that's, I'm going to stick with dominant. That's what's going to make him dominant, a dominant pitcher in this rotation. But to to see him, his last performance or his last outing, that was encouraging. That was something that, you know, we saw we saw a lot of like almost vintage sail there. We saw him throw a little fit on the mound, hit himself in the head. We saw him, you know, get heated and we saw him strike out 10 batters. So we saw a little bit of everything. And I was like, this man hates when he messes up more than yeah. anything. And we see it in real time. But I think we're starting to get closer and closer to what Chris Sale is going to be for the rest of the season. And, and you love that out of your picture. I, I think that's outside of the dominance that we've seen on the mound from Chris Sale since he came over, uh, you know, in 2018. Is, 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 is that sort of fire that he brings on the mound and that energy that he brings not only when he succeeds, but also when he fails as well? You, you know, 
everybody, I, I bet when I said that, you always go back to the Worcester game where he had his little fit. But, you know, now you got to see it, you know, outside of just on a phone camera. You got to see it on, on Ness and on TV. And, you know, I think the other part of it, too, is his control. It, it was on point, you know, 10 strikeouts, as I mentioned, only walked one batter. And that's what you want to see from him, you know, when, when his, not only his slider, his fastball, and the rest of his pitches are on point. We see that strikeout number get higher and higher. You know, when his last start had five strikeouts in the start against the Orioles where he really struggled, had zero. And, you know, then before that, there was 11 with the Twins. And so I hope we are able to consistently maybe not see 10 every single start, but, you know, if he's able to limit the damage in terms of earned runs and, you know, walks, and he's able to get up to seven or eight consistently throughout each start, I, I think you can't be upset with, with the output that you're getting from sale. And, you know, another guy, you know, sticking with the starting rotation talk, Corey Kluber as well, you know, even though he allowed three earned runs, struggled a little bit as we've seen throughout this season with him. But I think the one thing that you got to be happy with Kluber, zero walks. That's what you ask from him. You ask for the good control and the ability to just get outs. Yeah. The no walks is good. I'm still not sold on Kluber. I just, I think it's more, I just want more. Like, I just want more from him. Expect more from him. I think the Red Sox and their fans expect more from him. But I I can see that it, it feels like he's getting better just at a snail's pace. But I'm also just like, how long of a leash does this guy have? Especially if Paxton comes back and can not look like how he did in Worcester. Maybe that one time that he was like very, very good in Worcester, but not the last two or three times that he pitched there. But it's, I just want more from him. Yes, the no walks is very good because the, the walks got the Red Sox in trouble a lot last year. But I just, I don't know. I don't know. I just want more. I feel like he doesn't look confident on the mound, as confident as I'd like him to. And I don't know. I guess that I just, I'm, I just expected more from him. And I don't really know why I expected more from him. I mean, he's, he's older, you know, he's old in terms of athletes, even though he's not that much older than me. Like it's a walking miracle when somebody's in their late thirties. So I, you know, some of it's his age. Yes. But I just, I still expect more from somebody who's done so much in this league throughout his career. Me too. And you know, it's easy to bring up the age, you know, and, and, you know, it's easy to look at all these different numbers or all these sabermetrics on, you know, his, his, you know, velocity going down, his control being off. But I I think when you see any sort of glimmer of progression with Kluber, you just got to sort of, in my mind, be happy because he kind of reminds me of Pavetta, you know, he is what he is at this point. You know, I don't know if we're going to see him get much, much better uh, throughout the season. I hope so. You know, that'd be really nice. Uh, But, you know, the other thing that I wanted to bring up with, with this series is, you know, it was really nice to see Rafael Devers continuing to show off uh, his improved defense. You know, we not only saw, you know, that diving play earlier in the series, but also in Sunday's game, uh, ended up muffing a ball with the bases loaded and then just ended up diving at the runner who was running the third base and got him in a split second. And especially with those types of plays, even though the game wasn't super duper close at that point. Those, those plays matter. And being able to see Devers not only continue to improve his defense, but also continuing to lead the MLB in categories like RBIs. He has 34, leads all the MLB in tie, and is tied for second in home runs with 11. When he's doing the offensive stuff, which you already expect, he's doing the defensive stuff, it means that the extension was not only worth it, but you're getting the value that you pretty much expected. And you want the defense to keep improving because that's kind of been – the, the narrative around him is that the defense isn't quite where it probably should be, especially with someone who's been in the league as long as he has. Yes, he's still young, 
but I, at this point, it's just kind of it feels like that maybe it should be a little bit more. But you see these plays that he makes, and you mentioned some of them. And then it's weird because then he'll bobble a routine ground ball, or it's just or he just gets confused or something. And listen, we it's it's a fast not the fastest game, but it, you know, in the split second that you have to decide, it's you know, it's it's a quick process. I get it, but we, it's you have to cheer when he makes these amazing like gold glove esque plays. And you're like, what the hell are you doing with that same glove that you can't get the routine ground ball. But it's, you know, I'm not going to sit here and cherry pick because I like what I've seen from him this year. And uh, the defense I think is huge. I think he's improved immensely, not just from the start of this year to the, or the first month of the season, but just from last year as well. I think we're seeing a, a, a grown up Raphael Devers in on defense and I think it will continue to improve. Like I just mentioned, he's young, but he's been in the league long enough where I, it's a matter of just like making those adjustments. And I think he will. And I think we're starting to see that. And it's it's fun. It's fun watching those kinds of plays. And it's fun watching that quick thinking. And he's kind of like a goober. Like when he does like when he has like those funny, like sometimes he'll just sit on like the base sometimes yeah, or he'll like it. stay stretched out every now and then. So it's just like it adds a little like more fun to it where he's just like, as soon as he's exhaling, like all the fans are exhaling, like, yeah, yeah he did that. <laughs> and even Kike, too, he made a nice dive and fight uh, in this series and then also had a little bit of a smirk uh, yeah. two days ago. And uh, it was tough to not, you know, laugh at some of the memes that, you know, people put out on on Twitter from the pick. You know, mine was, uh, you know, when the Red Sox are exceeding everybody's expectations, just sort yeah. of the smirk of, you know, what you're seeing. You, you, you can't not, you know, acknowledge it, even though you want to ignore it. But one thing we can't ignore and it's it's tough to i feel like it's going back and forth with the injury stuff you know th there's guys coming back there's excitement and then you know two seconds later you know they, they just keep on piling up so we got a few different injuries cutter crawford uh, got put on the il with a left hamstring strain caleb ort replaced him on the roster but then due to the zach Littell trade which we'll speak about in a sec uh or was sent back down and then uh christian arroyo who we've seen his hamstring bother him over these last few days or so. You know, he just hasn't really looked right either on defense or when he's running the bases, uh, but he got placed on the IL uh, with a hamstring strain as well. But you know, I want to speak spe specifically about Arroyo because, you know, he's somebody who made an impact in this game, in, in this series, uh, you know, went two for four uh, with, with an RBI uh, in, in the second game and then has also really heated up at the plate. And it always seems like with him, now, this is already his second injury on the season, and we're May 8th. Uh, and this is his chance to fully show that he can be an everyday player in the majors. And it just seems like any time he gets going, he has to get sidelined once again. I think that kind of proves that maybe he can't be an everyday player. And, you know, it's he was removed from the game last week with the with that hamstring tightness and it was I felt like it was inevitable at that point to that he was going to go on the IL and it's unfortunate because I don't I don't want anyone to you know, try to be this everyday player and then get hurt doing so but and he wasn't even playing every day but when he was in that lineup you know it was the that two for four game like everyone was contributing and he was part of that and it's unfortunate and thankfully it doesn't sound like it's going to be serious but you never know with with hamstrings that hamstrings are very very tricky but i think that he is what he is i think he's not mm -hmm. unfortunately fortunately i don't know he's not an everyday player but he can be somebody who can be useful off the bench as long as he's healthy and that's the that's the big asterisk right there as long as he's healthy right and you know i think for somebody like him you know 
we've talked about it, you know, all season long with the rotation and even the bullpen too, the log jam that there is, and especially just on the 40 man depth chart. And especially with Mondesi coming back, uh, you, you know, in, in a month or so, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how everything does play out in terms of who the Red Sox keep and, you know, who is the last man out. And, you know, may, maybe they, they play around with a few different things, you know, put somebody on IL and they're not actually like injured, you know, to try and play around with it. Who knows? Uh, but I, I think, you know, this, this isn't a great time for Arroyo to get injured. This was his time to show that he's a necessity to this team. That's sort of what any player wants to be to where there's no sort of thought on if they deserve to stay on this team, you know, whether they get traded, sent down uh, or whatever. And, you know, it was just tough to see a guy who was just starting to get going and contributing to the team go down. But, you know, we've spoken about Zach Littell, throughout this episode a few times. I bet you, who the heck is this guy? Well, the Red Sox traded for him uh, for cash considerations from the Rangers. And, you know, I spoke about it a little bit in the first segment about how, you know, he said to the Rangers, well, if you don't call me up, if you don't give me a chance in the majors, then trade me. And so he ended up, you know, pitching eight games so far in AAA uh, this year as a reliever, had a 225 ERA and the righty has played five seasons in the MLB and recently pitched uh, in 2022 for the San, Diego, San Francisco Giants, had a 508 ERA over 39 games. And you might remember this went around, you know, viral all last year. Uh, Latell's a pitcher who ended up yapping at uh, Gabe Kapler while he was walking off the mound and sort of jawed at him, uh, probably upset that he, he was getting taken out. And he was a guy who was sort of a fringe AAA, fringe uh, major league player. And, you know, it it's it says something when right after he did that, he got sent right down to AAA. And, you know, the first thing when I saw this move, I realized who the guy was. And this was when the Red Sox were on their winning streak. The only thing that came to my mind is, all right, the Red Sox are driving right now. They have incredible energy. This guy better not screw it up. Yeah, and I don't think somebody like him could screw it up. I, I mean, I completely understand you could bring someone in who has a, a crappy attitude and he can kind of bring down the the morale of the team, but I just don't think he kind of has that ability and that maybe that sounds kind of mean, but I agree the, th- the thing is, is like, if you're mad about getting taken out, if you're, you know, you, you're wanting to say something to your manager about getting taken out a bit early, then pitch better. Like that, that's, it's that, it's that simple pitch better. You know, he's, you said he's this fringe guy, he's on like triple A guy, sometimes in the MLB, but it's just pitch better. If you, if you want to start, you know, going at your manager, if you want to start making these ultimatums, then you need to prove it. You need to be a better pitcher and sure. Getting him for cash considerations is nothing like great. Like that's, it's like a, a low risk, high reward kind of thing. But yeah, you saw, we've seen the energy with this team over the win streak and winning these series and just kind of how it seems to have shifted a little bit. And you definitely don't want that to, you don't want one person to interfere with that. I don't think that he has the the advantage to do that. I don't Mm -hmm. think that he could. I think that this team is, is too close for that to happen, but you know, just, just pitch better, man. Then Then you'll have an argument there. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. He, do, he doesn't really have not only the pedigree, but, you know, the power to sway the, the clubhouse in any any which way or the other. Right. But it was more of just the selfishness. That was the one thing that, that in my opinion, was exuded or shown uh, in, in that sort of video from last year. And I, I, you know, when I saw the move, the first thing that I thought about was not only that, but also that Alex Cora is probably the best manager that he could essentially have. And right. sort of tell him straight up, you know, leave the selfishness at the door, you know, 
be, be part of the team uh, when you walk into this clubhouse and when you when you play for the Boston Red Sox. And so, um, you know, obviously we have he's he's only made one outing thus far, and you know, curious to see how everything does play out. Um, but I, I think even though you know he struggled in the outing, you know, we spoke about it in the first in the first segment, you know. I'm I'm just curious to see what he brings to this bullpen. And I, I think especially, you know, with not only him added, but Bernardino as well. And especially uh, with them in my mind, uh, you know, in the past performing better than Ryan Brazier has so far. I, I think this just gives uh, the Red Sox two more guys uh, to essentially maybe put over Brazier. And, you know, who knows how many, how many uh, options the tell has uh, left on his contract. Obviously he wasn't triple A to begin the season, uh, but just just curious to see how, how it all does play out. And, you know, I hope I hope as I bet any Red Sox fan does or any move that the Red Sox make. I just hope it's W for Heim. I just hope it's not another loss that hurts the team. That's all I care about. At the end of the day, just need to stack up these dubs. And, you know, I think especially with what we spoke about with injuries, we'll speak a little bit more about the positive side with some guys rehabbing and starting to come back. You know, we spoke about Joey Rodriguez and his rehab outing uh you know last week he made another one which was a scoreless inning you know we gave up a weak single to the first hitter and then a bunk ground out and then struck out the next two batters so definitely excited to have him back would we'll definitely be able to add a reliable left-handed arm in the red Sox bullpen and then james paxton we've already brought him up once in this episode but he will reportedly join the Red Sox in Atlanta during their next series. Cora said that he plans to insert him in the rotation, but not in Atlanta. And Cora did not rule out a six-man rotation. You brought up his struggles in his last start uh, in, in Worcester, and I was at that game. It, it was it was not pretty to watch. Uh, he pitched five innings uh, through 96 pitches, allowed two earned runs. Now, those aren't the stats that were concerning. It was the five walks. And it was actually interesting because if you haven't been paying attention at least to AAA baseball, they have the ABS system. So it's essentially the automated balls and strikes and, you know, the ump still does their thing, but you know, it's kind of like what we saw with Jason Dominguez in the Arizona fall league. You can tap your head and that'll essentially, you know, cause a challenge and it'll show it up on like the video board, you know, where the ball is. And if it hits any sort of part of the edge of the strike zone, you know, it's called a strike. Paxton did that three times and he lost all of them. So I, I I know he was probably trying to take advantage of the system, but at the same time, if that doesn't show you that he was desperate to get a strike, he was desperate to get a strike. Uh, you know, he struck out four batters as well, but definitely that command is not what you wanted to see after his last outing. Yeah, you definitely don't. You want to see the, the Paxton that we saw with the middle outing when he looked really, really good and he was, he was strong on the mound. And hopefully that just getting him back to the majors, maybe just kind of working off all that rust. Hopefully that's, that's, you know, that's all he needs. But I think that he'll have a short leash. I did think it was interesting when Cora was like, he's going to be in the rotation, but not in Atlanta where it's like, okay, I know you want to kind of get him the innings and you may get him like a little worked, worked out before you go into the starting rotation. But it's also like, again, these defined roles for these guys, let's, let's figure them out sooner rather than later before you're jumbled and all of a sudden all your, pitchers are overworked because you had mm-hmm. no idea what to do with the rotation in the bullpen yep. and especially if they continue if they, this the play they keep up now if this is sustainable and they end up you know being in the hunt for a wild card or even i, I doubt it, a second place in the al east you you don't want to have your pitchers go into september and october burnt out yeah no yeah i agree and you know my, my big thing with paxton 
in my opinion, he's the most he's the most valuable trade chip that you got uh, potentially in this rotation, right? You're not going to trade Kluber. Like I don't see them trading wanting to trade Hauk or you know Pavetta doesn't really have too much value in my opinion. But Paxton finds a way to you know surprise everybody with that four million dollar price tag. I think he's the perfect guy to sort of trade during the deadline. Not to say you're going to get a huge hole from him by any means, but could definitely be able to help you get you know, better starting pitcher depth, you know, pair him with a guy like, you know, I, I, nobody really comes to mind immediately, uh, but just finding a way to see what value you do have in him, how he can contribute to this team in this rotation. And I feel like all we're hoping as Red Sox fans is just to sort of see some sort of a uh, glimpse of what we saw, uh, you know, with, with the Yankees and, you know, his, his season with the Mariners, um, you know, right before he got, went down with TJ, but, all in all, I think a lot of Red Sox fans are just finally excited to see James Paxton in a Red Sox uniform because they only saw him, you know, one inning uh, in Fort Myers. I was at that game. You know, it was it was a split second. And then every other outing, uh, you know, outside of when he's been in Worcester, he hasn't even finished the game. So yeah. just excited for him to finish a game in the major leagues finally again. And, you know, it's been two years coming. So hopefully he can make some sort of impact for this Red Sox team. Uh, but Greatly appreciate everybody tuning into this episode. But before we end this, um, Lauren and I uh, have, have some unfortunate news. It's, it's been a it's been a very great and positive episode, but you know it's going to get a little bit somber at this point. But um, you know it, I, I'm sad to announce um, that myself. This is going to be my last week with the Locked On Red Sox podcast. Um, Lauren, uh, she's she's going to be. Uh, with the podcast um, for two more weeks. Um, but, you know, I'll let you say something in a sec. But, you know, for me, um, you know, it's it's been an incredible experience. I, I'm really excited for, uh, you know, these next four days of, of just being able to connect, still connect with the listeners. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm going to speak more about it in, you know, my last episode uh, on Friday. Uh, but, you know, all, all I'm going to say is, you know, I, I'm never going to stop talking about the Sox. You know, I'm, I'm going to keep keep talking about them, not only on Twitter, but, you know, in a podcast capacity on, on my own personal podcast. Um, but, you know, all in all, just excited for uh, the, to end the ride on a high note and, and continue to talk about the Sox for the next week or so. Yeah, it, what a ride it's been. Um, unfortunately, I also am leaving Locked on Red Sox. My last show will air on May 22nd. So I'm still, I have a week after when Jake is no longer with us, but it has been so fun to relaunch this podcast and just kind of be able to go through the ups and downs, go through a really fun 2021 and a really bad 2020, 2022. It's been fun to you know build this podcast, come on here, talk about the Red Sox every day, and to interact with with our everydayers, with our people on Twitter, with people who we're not here with, with without mm -hmm. those the people who support us. So it's I'm very sad to be leaving. Um, I'll also speak more about the the next chapter when. Um, when the time comes, but you'll all know still where to find me and everything. Don't worry. I'm not going anywhere. So I'm going to talk about the Red Sox as well. And it's, you know, you'll still be able to hear me on, on podcasts and just not every day, but it has been so fun to say the, the very least. And I'll, we'll, we'll say more. We don't want to take up too much of your time. What well, we will say more um, as the end draws near. That sounds very ominous, but uh, just thank you. It's been fun, and I'm I'm bummed to be leaving. Jake, you've been an awesome co-host and a, and a better friend, and it's been a hell of a ride, and I'm excited for both of us for what comes next. Yeah, and I, I feel like it was – I, I know you agree with this too, but I, I feel like it was best uh, 
to, you know, say this, you know, to start the week and it wasn't sort of a situation where, you know, we, we get to your Friday's episode, just so you know, you're not going to, you know, see me after this. I, I felt like it was, it was necessary for the amount of support that you guys have given us. And, um, you know, not only all the support that we receive on Twitter, but, you know, even if you've you know seen us in public and let us know that you watched the episodes, it's, it's really cool for, for both of us. I know, and we really do appreciate you taking the time, you know, each and every single day, but we're going to make this week the best week possible um, that, that we've had together as co-hosts. And, you know, if you want to continue to tune into the Locked On Red Sox podcast, not only throughout this next week, but just for the foreseeable future, even with the new hosts and everything like that, make sure to tune into the Locked On Red Sox podcast five days a week. Make sure to subscribe over on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we want to thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. Now, for my everydayers, tomorrow on the show, we have an exclusive interview with a Red Sox prospect. And I'm not going to announce that until tomorrow's episode, so you're going to have to make sure to tune into that. But if you want to stay tuned on everything that's happening regarding the podcast, make sure to follow Locked on Red Sox over on Twitter. It's LO underscore Red Sox. Myself, it's at Jake Iggy. And also Lauren, it's La La Three Laws. Lauren with four R's. Almost screwed that up. We've been doing this for a year and a half. You can't, I don't can't know screw how that it up happens. now. I don't know how that happened. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hope you have a great rest of your day. We'll end this episode how we always edit. Keep the faith, stay positive, and let's go, socks. Peace.